attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Ingo River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Asher Winnig. Asher Daniel Winnig. Asher... And I sat down a while back and had a great talk about camp. Uh, big love from this guy from camp, which you'll hear all over the place. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Uh, Asher was there while I was there. So you guys know that if you've been listening for a long time, you know that's unusual. I don't have a lot of guys on from um, the most recent years. But uh, Asher was there. And also while Tim Shovers was there, um, they were in cabins together. And you recently heard him. So uh, you can imagine that there will be a lot of stories from our time together that you'll hear. Before we get to that, I hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving and ate a ton of food and napped on the couch, watched that little parade they do in New York. Uh, Maybe you saw Santa Claus. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be very kindly invited over for a family dinner myself here in the North Suburbs uh, in my first Thanksgiving here, and it was wonderful. So thank you, shout-outs go to them, who shall remain unnamed because, you know, you don't want to get weird about things. Um, uh, I also went up to camp since then and boy, is it cold. Woo. I've never been up there when it's this cold already. It's not, there's snow on the ground. It's not like there's a ton, but oh boy, is it cold. And it's like dark at two in the afternoon or something. Absolutely ridiculous. So delightful. Anyway, let's get to it. Here we go. Asher Winnick on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. State your name and years at camp. Uh, Asher Wenig, Asher Daniel Wenig. Uh, 13 years at camp. I was a 10-year camper, the first 10-year camper. Started when I was seven years old. <laughs> now, just to be clear and to be fair to everyone, first 10-year camper of the modern era. That is correct. There were some old, old guys who did it, but we didn't give away jackets back then Sure. for that. So, to be fair, just to give them the proper respect, but certainly the first. And there really have only been maybe four more. I respect them, but at the same time, I'm the first person... To get a 10-year jacket. <laughs> As a camper. As a camper. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> awesome. And what years were those? Um, I started in 1993. Uh, my last year as a camper was in 02. And then I was a counselor 03, 04, and 05. Nice. Um, so I'm just going to get right into how I started going to camp. Please do. Uh, my, my father, uh, for business, ended up moving to Budapest, Hungary. Uh, We moved to Europe in uh, 1992, and um, 
that year, uh, my brothers were at camp that summer, and I went with my parents to Budapest, and they realized, like, what are we going to do with this kid <laughs> in this foreign country right. <laughs> traveling with us? Like, we need to get rid of him. <laughs> and so we went to visit... We went to visit uh, my... I, both of my no, actually, my brother Nate took that summer off. So I just went to visit my my brother Seth that summer. Uh, he was in uh, cabin thirteen uh, we, with my parents. We went there. Sure. And um, I'm this little six year old who's who's allowed into cabin thirteen. I'm my brother's like showing me around. Uh, he wouldn't show me the uh, the the go kart. Sure, that's go-karts fair. I mean, you, you like got to kind of earn that. part. Yeah, you have to earn that. But. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in this cabin and, and these guys are all looking at me like, oh my God, like this guy's going to be a camper next year. And I have no idea what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. So all of a sudden, like, uh, I, 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 somebody brings me into the office and uh, my father's like, how do you feel about coming to camp next year? And I don't even know. I'm six, I've only been on this planet for six years. I'm like, <laughs> right. You're like, sure. Is that like, lunchtime? What happens? Hang <laughs> out here? Like, this is the coolest place in the world. I'd love to. Yeah. So uh, they put a, uh, you know, the the red Ojibwa starter's jacket on me. And, sure. And uh, they really, like, introduced me to the camp as uh, the seven-year-old who's coming to Camp wow. Ojibwa uh, from Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> and so... That whole year in Budapest, it was like our first year living in Budapest. I'm not joking when I say like my brothers, because my brother Nate, who's older, two years older than Seth, Seth was going to be a cabin 14 and, and uh, Nate was going to be a, uh, a JC counselor, um, like went out of their way to sort of like toughen me up, make sure that like I was ready for Camp Ojibwe, you know? <laughs> like you were carrying on their legacy and yeah, you had to be the right... Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. And they're like, oh, well, camp, you're going to need to know how to do this. You're going to have to know how to do that. <laughs> and, um, so I just remember, uh, you know, it's... Uh, so, it, you know, it gets to to that, that point in the year where it's time to get ready to go to Ojibwe. And uh, my brothers were already back in um in in chicago at, at mm. that time uh oh by the way i have a sister who was going to birch and Oll. right on. um and so uh they they uh they were already there so my parents were uh one is i'm very i was a very independent kid i still think myself is very independent but as a kid i was very independent sure and uh they we're like, hey, uh, we're going to send you to the States. Uh, Grandma and Grandpa are going to pick you up at the uh, airport. And from wow. there, you're going to go to Camp Ojibwa. I was seven years old. <laughs> My parents put me on a flight from Budapest. International to flight. An international <laughs> flight. And um, I got onto the flight, and they start asking me. You know, the, the woman was really nice, and she was like, do you want to meet the... Uh, the pilots and I was like, yeah, of course I want to meet the pilots. Sure. You know? Why wouldn't I do that? So like, you know, I go up there, I meet the pilots, and I look, and there's this like, cl- like these awesome seats. So I go, hey, it, could I sit up there? And they're like, oh no, 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 that's that's business class. Uh, you can't sit up there. And I was like, why not? Next thing you know, I'm sitting in business class and I'm <laughs> getting treated like a king. And like we land, and, and the first thing that they do when you land is they call. They, they called my parents oh, to sure, say that course. I was there, you know, safe and sound. They were like, and somehow he negotiated his way up to first class. Um, so anyway, so my grandparents picked me up. I ended up That's funny. Uh, taking the buses to, to Camp Ojibwa. And uh, 
I, I'm telling you right now, right when I got there, I, I had, I was seven years old. I had no idea what was going on around me. Sure, I was course. just like, this is going to be awesome. You know, knowing how to play sports at that age, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You right. know, it was just, that's like, the real reason there's no, there's not really 10 year campers in the modern era because you're going to be in there and you're going to have to play with 10 year olds. Yeah. And if you're seven, even if you're a big, I mean, even Ben Sampson really at seven was like, he was a big kid, but. He couldn't play sports because he was seven. So that's the part that makes it the toughest is just he being able to be part of it. actually went up to 11. So, and, and there were kids, I mean, Josh Slovey and, and uh, Lee Schneider. I mean, those guys, like, it, it, they looked like they were, like, 40 years old to a little seven-year-old. Right, and of course. I'm playing, uh, you know, softball with them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're throwing from, you know, third to first, and I can't even get the ball from home plate to the pitcher, you yeah. know? Um, but... That it really was irrelevant. I mean, um, you know, even you know, people always say camp is so competitive, this, this, and that. You know, just they, they, they were everybody was so nice to me, and they sure. just wanted to see me, you know, develop into to uh, I guess a better athlete or develop into a person at Camp Ojibwa. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, my uh, I, I started off obviously in in cabin one. Um, that was my first year in cabin one. I ended up spending <laughs> three years in cabin one. Um, and, uh, are there any, is there anyone else even close to your age at that point? Yeah. So there were some eight year olds, um, but it was the, 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 it was primarily or predominantly, it was a relatively, we had no bunk bed, bunk beds at the time. Right. Right. Um, it was, it was a bunch of nine year olds. Uh, it was like Rooney Kaufman, uh, Lee Bagan. Those were like my two closest friends in the cabin. Gotcha. Um, but you know, they, to me, I was just a little runt to them. Sure. You know, I thought that they were awesome, but, <laughs> um, but then there were like other guys who just were, everybody was so nice to me. It, it was like, as if they, everybody was my older brother and I had both of my brothers there. My brother, Nate was a counselor at cabin four. Um, and so I would hang out in his cabin all the time. Sure. Um, and then my other brother, Seth was in cabin 14 and so, uh, you know, him and all of his friends were like my older brothers and they like looked out for me. It, it yeah. was, it was awesome from Budapest. My brother actually brought one of his friends, Judd Musselman. So I wow. also, I was, you know, it wasn't just like we were three Hungarians. We were, there was a fourth Hungarian as well. <laughs> um, wow. and it was, it was fantastic. It was really, really awesome. Um, if you were to ask anybody, oh, what was Asher like in 1993? Everybody's going to say the kid had no fucking idea where he was. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and there's so there's so much truth to that. Like it, it, like the next year, 1994 was when I was sort of like, oh, OK, now I know where I am. No, this, this is this is home. OK. <laughs> It's funny though those those kids that come and are the youngest kid at camp, especially if they're particularly young, become sort of the camp mascot in a way. Like everyone loves them, everyone wants them to stop by their game, and they're just this little runt who has no idea what's going on. They don't know what planet they're on. And it was really funny because um, so Lee Bagan was my uh, cabin mate, and and one of my good friends, his younger brother Scott Bagan, who was six years old, came up with with uh, with uh, his father. Oh, nice. Um, and um, they he ended up like I'm not. He was there for probably a week, and they allowed him to stay in the cabin because Scott and I were hanging out. Oh, nice. And it, it was it was funny. So I mean, it, Scott wasn't a camper, so I'm not trying to give. He, he definitely was not the youngest camper. Okay, sure. And, and he also wasn't a ten year camper. <laughs> but Scotty Bagan and I hung out. There was a week where we hung out a lot, and then also Glenn Nesper had a, a son, Luke Nesper, who was my age. Right on. 
and he was living with with Glenn. I don't know if you've heard about Glenn Nesper. I have. Yeah. So Glenn was probably like to this day, like him and Robin Joska, like I just think of as like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like I could see like well, Robin, I just see him like honestly just like yelling across the uh, the diamond, like I just in my head, like if I like think about him, I just think of him as like Arnold, Arnold, like yelling, sure. like Jamie, no, get on the chopper, <laughs> like that's how I think of him. But absolutely, like, I swear, like Glenn was one of the scariest human beings I've ever seen, but he was so nice, you know. Yeah, and he would always like come up to me and just be like, ah, eh, younger brother to Nate the Great, and I'd be like, Nate the Great, Are you calling my brother Nate. Great, like it's like guy has won the week six out of seven years. Legend in the Ojibwe <laughs> family. I'm like my That's brother funny. Nate, like won the week every single year. He's at camp. It sets like, a high bar. I, I mean, he um, he was you know not a good athlete, but would win swim meet, and he could I guess sing and and could contribute for uh, song and stunt. Sure. And there was a whole stunt that was actually based on him. Um, that they they won the week. I believe it was Michigan ninety one. Um, Shovers, let me know if that's correct. Um, and uh, their stunt was uh, Darth Nader, and it was a uh, you know Star Wars sure. thing based off of uh, him being Darth Nader rather than right. Darth Nader. Um, and uh, I see, I see what the they way. did there. You, you see, you get it. Do I have to explain it a little bit more? Okay. Yeah, that's um, funny. But yeah. So that was that. I, you know, I picked out of the hat. I remember uh, picking uh, the teams. Oh, and of course. Yeah. I think that was the only day that I've ever felt hated at Camp Ojibwa. <laughs> was uh, the day that uh, you know I gave that person. Uh, there was only ten teams at the time, but the 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 eighth, ninth, and, and tenth pick in the in the draft. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, I know that Elliot thinks it's an honor for that kid, but that is, I mean, the, that kid <laughs> is rough. hated. That's really rough. Uh, yeah, like. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so you're at camp. You're seven years old. You're rocking and rolling. Uh, who are your counselors? Um, Jim Findor and a bunch of other tools. I Has uh, Glenn started? Glenn Crawford? No. Glenn, okay. So how about this? Glenn Crawford started in, um, I want to say 96, oh, 95 maybe. What? No, no, 96 because I was out of cabin one. So I was uh, in one in, in 93, 94, 95, and then Seth. My, my brother Seth was in 96 and he was in cabin one and that was Glenn Crawford's first uh, year gotcha. in cabin one. So there was actually a Wenig in cabin one for four years. In wow. A um, yeah. <laughs> Put that up on the stat wall. <laughs> yeah. Right. The, the, like, well, if, if there's anything we know about Ojibwa is if you can make it into a stat, then it's going to become Absolutely. a stat. You have it. You yeah. Know? There's no question. That's funny. I, I mean, I like to say I'm I'm probably the only person who's ever been a uh, officer of the Braves three times. I was guardian of the trail, medicine man, and then chief of the Braves O2. That's interesting. Now that's not that's not really a thing that happens anymore. Because be, because specifically they targeted it. But is it because the cabins were so small? No. It was because I was a camper you were forever. Just awesome. I was it's because I was awesome. Sure. Uh, you know, not all superheroes wear capes, but uh I well yeah I don't know they I, because I know because it was really just because I, I was at camp for so long the guys who were in cabin fourteen who were I think like chief of the brave or you know the the officers were right. all campers after me I think it was just like sort of a, a thing that people thought they were giving me respect but I I didn't need the respect I was 
Right. It just you'd yeah. already been there longer than they had. Uh, what did you need? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I know that early on, uh, when fourteen first got started, that fourteen didn't have ten guys. I mean, it would have like six guys or four guys a summer. So I know that early on, for sure, they had to kind of spread that out into thirteen and whatever. Yeah. These days, it you would would never happen. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, my my age group really stuck together for a long time. I yeah. mean, uh, so my let's go to 94 uh my second year um there was a bunch of it, my the cabin was all eight-year-olds um uh the guys that you would know it was it was me brett pearson who became one of my closest camp friends uh tim shovers who became one of my close camp friends and um it was uh uh jeffrey olazar who who stopped going to camp because he was you know like everybody hears everybody gets into their sport and then they go to a camp that's dedicated to that sure. sport. He was a big golfer. He loved to golf. And mm. so he ended up going to a, a, a golf focused camp. Gotcha. Um, and there was a few other kids, but uh, this is the, I mean, you guys, we'll, and we'll get into it more. You guys are really a, <clears throat> a well-respected age group historically at Camp Ojibwe. There's no question about that. Uh, and so what you're saying is this is where it all starts to really come together. So even though you'd been there for a year already, this is the year that a lot of the pieces of the puzzle start coming together. And then 95, which they say is the first year of the new age Ojibwa, right? Have you, have you okay, heard that or no? Sure. I understand what it means conceptually. Sure. Because that's when people four said week, there was the four-week right. thing that went into to, or the four-week thing. Uh, people said were able to choose if they wanted to go first, right. four, second, four. But... In, in 93, my first year, there was a camper who was in um, our cabin um, who, uh, name, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but, um, you know, I still, I still hear, know of him. He went to Indiana with me. Uh, anyways, uh, he decided after four weeks that he didn't want to stay at camp and ended up going home. He was from Florida. And, gotcha. and so he had that option. So I think, um, but you couldn't sign up for second four. You couldn't come in and just go for those. Yeah. Four weeks. You had to go for the first four. Yeah. Uh, and then in 95, that's when it becomes official and you can kind of pick it and they split the leagues. That's when leagues started being four weeks and not eight weeks. Yeah. And I remember that happening and it was, it was a big change to the way the camp operated. The yeah. way it just, it, it was, it was different. Um, and, uh, I can't say that it, it sucked because I'm sure I was on a number of teams that were bad and it was like, Hey, I get to start all over. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just a change of the way the camp was. But it, I, I guess what I was getting at is in, in, in 95, our age group grew substantially. Gotcha. Um, and, and we had, um, a bunch of, I mean, it, it just kept in growing. I mean, our, our age group was three cabins all the way up until cabin, uh, 13 and 14 oh, right. yeah. and cabin 13. Um, we were the last year of the old cabin. We didn't have the uh, extension, right? They, <clears throat> we, they had the extension. They didn't put in the bathroom yet. They had to put oh, in the right. extension right. for us because we had as that many kids. And then cabin 14, um, they put in the extension there and the front two rooms, I think they're counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. me and my roommate were the first <laughs> ones to have that because we wanted to just stay together, just the two of us. It, we'll it, get was, into, it to, was weird how small that room was that it, you could hold you guys, but not clothes, obviously, because obviously I never saw you in clothes. In so there. let's, let's work our way into that. So, so at Camp Ojibwa, uh, it was later, believe it or not, it was later in our years. It was when I was in cabin, um, 11 and, and he was in cabin 12. Uh, I became really close friends with this, uh, this uh, great uh, individual uh, character, uh, Zach Noodleman. Yes. And uh, 
Zach and I, uh, I guess since then, have been inseparable. Uh, we, uh, we, we love each other in the most straight um, yet gay way you could possibly imagine. Sure. Total hetero life mates. We, we love each other. And uh, it was really one of those things where whatever, you know, he, when he would say he wanted to do something, he knew that I'd be on board and vice versa. I mean, we just, we, we, we worked together. Uh, we were each other's yin and yang, you know, it was like that. And uh, one of the things that we were notorious for was uh, somehow that whole, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service thing. Sure. You know, we understood that, so we just decided to go with no pants because that's not in the. It's not on the list, so, yeah. right? So, seems um, so yeah, we 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 tended to uh, we tended to to find ourselves naked walking around. I remember when we were came fourteen, so that's uh, uh, two thousand and two. Um, we had to do the swim test. We just we were the first two to go down to to take the swim test. Um, <laughs> And that's and like the first minute you get to camp. Like it's one of first the very you things to, you do. Yeah, they were well. Fourteen, I think, is the last group to do it. Right. But they said, "Hey, Kevin, fourteen, you're you guys got to go do it." So uh, Zach and I, we haven't unpacked yet. We didn't do anything yet. We were just having fun, like you know, shooting the shit. And uh, <laughs> we go, okay, great. So we just took off our clothes and walked from cabin fourteen down to the waterfront, <laughs> butt naked, without even a towel. Uh, you know, Sandy. Uh, I was like, "Where's Sandy?" Where's Lady Lodi, I believe, was at camp that time. <clears throat> I believe so. And Rachel, they're all sitting on the steps, uh, collecting. I guess the you know kids have to bring their money up. Oh, and sure, stuff. of course, yeah. And and we're just walking right past them, butt naked. <laughs> and I just remember, I just remember doing the swim test, getting out, and we decided that it'd be a good idea for us to, uh, you know, uh, lay out for a little bit. Sure. So, no, nah, we we. Uh, <laughs> We found ourselves, and, and another thing is that Zach and I, we weren't a big fan of the Kevin 14 showers, so we would go right. down to the lake house um, in our birthday suits as well um, to take showers there because we just thought it was more communal, it was nicer to hang out with people. Absolutely. And, get a good um, air dry on the way back. And, and you maybe get a little ping pong game in there, oh. table tennis, whatever you want to call it. Sure, great call. Um, so it was just a, it was a fun thing for us to do. Um <laughs> I definitely recall Noodleman uh, playing shortstop in a softball game in only a towel. It, I, that it, I, probably. I mean, the towel is just for sliding. Purposes, <laughs> he, he just, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I, the 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 friendships. That's one thing. You know, the friendships at Camp Ojibwe. You could spend so much time away from a person, and all of a sudden, you know, you you uh, connect, yeah. and it's like you're back on it. You guys are back at boys. It's fine. I lived in New York for seven and a half years, and I'm in Brooklyn uh, by the Barclay Center. I was there for doing some work, and uh, it, it was late. It was probably like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. I get down onto the platform, and all of a sudden I look over, and I'm like, Chris! <laughs> and you're standing there. And we we shot the shit for yeah. like the whole ride. Had a great time. I mean, and it was like we didn't skip a beat. It was Absolutely. just you know we probably we probably talked about what we were doing in each in, in our lives for about four minutes. Yeah, and maybe. then the rest of the time we just talked about just talking about camp. Absolutely. So it's just like one of those <laughs> things where you just pick right back up uh, yeah. where you left off. My girlfriend at the time was with me, and she was just like, "Oh yeah, that's a camp, that's a camp thing, right? <laughs> that's like you know." Yeah. She's like, yeah, he looked like a camp kid. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing though. It really does. It picks right up like that. You yeah. mentioned uh, about the the growth of the cabins and how big your age group was. So yeah. it really sets a tone for what becomes in two thousand two, three, and four the biggest camp we've ever had. Now, mind you, there there is this conception that or belief that like it didn't get big until till uh, ninety five. The younger campers didn't get big, but right. when you like between cabin seven to cabin twelve. There were some of those cabins had bunk beds because those age groups were pretty big. Mm. Uh, cabin, um, I want to say cabin 12 at the time, which was no, it wasn't cabin 12 because that was Jimmy Marco and uh, Jimmy Goodman and, and that age group. I think it was the age group below them. I mean, they 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 had bunk beds in their cabins, mm. maybe, maybe like two or three of them to to accommodate those those few extra kids. So Bunk beds were at camp. They just weren't like those nice metal ones. They were like these grimy wood sure. ones that like you thought would fall over after <laughs> you know two weeks of a kid sleeping. The first generation it. bunk beds were a little sketchy. Though. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they could have been built actually, a little better. There were these also like these metal ones that I like. I, I felt like were probably put together by the handyman. At camp. Yeah, those still float around. A couple of those. I'm like, how did those survive? <laughs> so uh, now I don't know this. You're saying that uh, the bunk beds didn't just all roll in one year. It was some cabins got them, and then as yeah. just necessity. Yeah, Is that how it I works? want to say from my first year, you know, in '93, there were some cabins that still had some bunk beds, nice. and they just we just started to get. But then we started to get those like the the white metal ones and the right. uh, those ones, the ones that every single summer there was a kid who somehow either knocked his tooth out on it or sure. hit his head on it and cracked it open because <laughs> it was like these big metal tubes on the end of them and. The things that we do in those cabins. Were, right. And somehow a gigantic wooden bed with big pieces of hunks of wood on each end is somehow safer. Somehow safer. <laughs> than this like somehow. laminate covered metal. Unbelievable. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, so uh, going back to, to camp, um, just as a camper, because um, being a counselor, I've so this, the stories of being a counselor. <laughs> oh, we'll were, get there. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the way that that like camp sort of was, was done. You know, everybody always talks about Camp Ojibwe being this very competitive camp and, and everything like that. And camp was competitive, but it was competitive in every single thing that we did. Right. And there were like things like, how about this? I think going to play softball was less competitive than some of the, than being able to, to be king for on, at, in porch ball or, oh, sure. you know, like winning slap shots in your cabin during rest period or, you know, like just every little thing, you know, we, we, everything was a game. Yes. And, and, and it turned into a competition. And that's a very hard thing to really express to someone who hasn't been there to a non-camp. Cause it's not just games that were games. It's like, how many times can I get seconds before I get caught trying to cut in line for seconds? Like yeah. that's a game. Like that's, everything is a game. Exactly. And, and, and like we, uh, there was a, so, um, through camp, um, I, I changed, e- even though we had, our age group, there were there were different groups within the age group, and I, I switched amongst them. I started off where I was in the cabin with the the Northbrook kids and the uh, the the I, I'm in like um, Tim Tim Shovers, even though he's from Atlanta, he was always grouped with with the, the Northbrook kids. So gotcha. like I was in that cabin with them, and then I ended up switching to hang to be with the Highland Park kids, even though I grew up in uh, the in the Deerfield school systems. I grew up in Riverwoods, which is part of the Deerfield school system. Um, I, I didn't want to be with the, the Deerfield kids. Um, I knew them from home. Um, sure. 
they're, they weren't my camp friends, you know, those were my home friends. <laughs> right, you know? absolutely. So, like, when, when kids like uh, uh, John Fixler and, and Danny Roseth and, and Treg Dorson came to camp, they were the Deerfield kids, I didn't want to be with them. Like, <laughs> I wanted to be with, you know, with, with, my, with my friends who were from Highland Park. But, you know, over the years, we just all started to mix together and things like mm. that. But, um there was really no story there. I guess it was just that we had a big <laughs> age group and it, and it, and, and it changed. Uh, you know, there was three cabins. There was like the Highland Park cabin, the Deerfield cabin, and the Northbrook cabin. <laughs> now, when you guys are in 13, did you use 12 as well? Were you annexing 12 when no, you were in 13? No. no. We had all of 13. We added beds. There was, a, a I think, six two rooms that had six beds in them. And Oof. then there was like this other room which had four beds that were just like, they were just stacked on top of each other, like really, really small. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was, it it, it was awesome. So cabin 13 was, was the best art. When we were in cabin 13, we decided there was, uh, I forgot it these big belly pizzas or something like that. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, busters, belly busters, belly busters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We used to get, they would deliver to, Us, the campers. So, we'll, right. so all of a sudden we were like, uh, unofficially, let's what, say, <laughs> what ended unsanctioned. Up, what happened was is so Zach and I always loved to to see what we could get away with, and uh, and and we we tried a lot of things, um, and we you know we got ourselves into some trouble, but it, and there were other people, but I'm just going to keep it at Zach and I because that's fair because uh, somehow it always ended up being our responsible our fault and we got in trouble <laughs> for it no matter. If it was somebody else's idea. Right. And uh, we decided that we were going to go. We were allowed to use the phones in the counselor's lodge. So we would we went up there and we ordered... We didn't have cell phones on us at the right. time. Uh, and we ordered a pizza to the, uh, uh, to the parking lot. We went and we picked it up. And uh, there's the, you know, the white fence by the... Uh, uh, where the beach is. Oh, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. The beach is. We would hold it really, really low, then hold it underneath the uh, the, the white fence, all the way up to the stairs of cabin thirteen, bring it in, and boom, we had a we had our food run, and I think we did it four times before everybody was like, "Hey, we could do it too," and then everybody got sure. caught, and <coughs> that was a mess. But my favorite was we had a uh, a uh, social with Birch and Owen. We were cabin thirteen, and um, I. It was uh, me and my, my 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 best friend in the world went to Ojibwa, but like during camp, we, we it was it was it was uh, Zach and I. Sure. Like <laughs> him and Zach are my brothers. So his right. name is Matthew Bashwater. Uh, Matt and I decided that uh, we were going to invite the Birch and Oak girls into cabin thirteen. Um, sure. You know, have a good time. Why right? not? Yeah. And we invited them in, so we we get them into the uh, the cabin, and we have them in my little cube. And, you know, we're having, like, a great time in there. There's five girls, like, like three that are sitting, like, up top, two on my bed. It's, like, you know, me, Bash, and Zach. And, <laughs> and uh, to be fair, a cube might comfortably hold about four people. It, <laughs> so <laughs> I, it, it comfortably holds two people, and we somehow crammed in four people. Right. We crammed in seven people. <laughs> like, seven? No, yeah, eight people. Sorry, eight people. And, I mean, it was, we were having a a great time in there. Um, and all of a sudden you hear Denny come in and he might've cussed and he goes, get the hell out of here. And 
like honestly just forces us out of there and he looks at me and he goes asher we're gonna have a talking and i'm you know i'm just sort of like well definitely not getting kicked out of camp because he's not gonna do that right i mean (laughs) Guy loves me. I've been here forever. No way. I'm like that. I'm like a staple at this point. I'm sort of like this, like you know, like this, like Denny would bring parents with like little kids and be like, and this is Asher. He started at seven years old. And look at him now. And you're a marketing point. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, I just remember the social was over and Danny, uh, Denny, Denny, Danny, Denny coming to me and just going, "Hey, Asher," he goes. That was really impressive, by the way. <laughs> he goes, but don't do it again. And nice. I just remember being like, all right. He goes, and don't tell the guys. Tell them we had a real talking to. Like, I had a real talking to you. And I was like, oh, okay, Denny. Yeah, you got it. Okay. That's hilarious. Um, so that was that was really fun. I mean, one of the funny things. 13, you can get away with that, though. I mean, a little bit. You know, a little bit a little bit softer on things. Yeah. But, but it's 14 where you really, I mean, listen, Elliot Friedman loves you guys. You, to this day, he will say you're his favorite age group. And was Snower in 14 already, or did he come in for you He guys? came in for us. So Snower, Snower's first year back as a counselor, he was my counselor in Cabin 1. That was in, in 94. Oh. And so he had me, Tim Shovers, and, and Brett Pearson, the three of us, I think, were the, yeah, were the only ones of that cabin that were with him in Cabin 1 and in Cabin 14. Wow. And S- Snower was, like, Snower was the best counselor you could ever ask for, because as, like... You know, uh, we all know Snower. He seems like he's sort of like a, uh, you know, on the high horse. Uh, you know, it could be <laughs> sure. somewhat, yeah, could be like somewhat of like a hard ass. You know, for I don't think anybody got more food runs in in cabin one to this day that yes. we got. Like Snower somehow would always get us food runs. I mean. And you look at Snower and you're like, that guy got you food runs like all the time. And it wasn't like and, and another thing is he was so good. He wasn't like uh, like other people. And we'll get to, to Noodleman and his whole operation. But like Snower would charge us regular prices like it, his margin was probably like a free pizza and maybe like two beers at the bar. Yeah. I mean, he was such a good guy about it. And then like you have Zach, who when we were in cabin, uh well, we'll get to me as a staff member, but I mean... But just, just to put some perspective on it, if you don't know, there is a certain amount of... Uh, there's usually an upcharge up for, for a younger cabin it's, kid it's, who might be getting an illegal food run. It's, it's, it's your basic economics of supply and demand. These Absolutely. kids are demanding something. And, and I'm certain and, it doesn't happen today, of course, <laughs> but maybe 20 years ago, a kid could have gotten charged 10 bucks for a hamburger. It could have happened. Uh, more, actually. Oh, and we'll get to Zach, we'll get to Zach Noodleman and his operations. You would think that this guy is making billions these days, the way that he was able to run a, a, a food run operation. It was That's incredible. Amazing. He made more money on food runs than he did as a staff member. Now, I understand you don't make much as a, a sure. staff member, but still, this guy was That's incredible. incredible. <laughs> yeah, Snower, uh, Snower comes in. And he loves you guys too. I mean, and he'll say the same thing that you guys really stuck it out for them. And the great thing about Snower and Elliot, um, I move into the cabin the next year and I'm with those guys until Elliot moves out uh, and Snower finishes. But the two of them just fit each other so perfectly because Elliot's up at 3 a.m. working 
and goes to bed at, you know, 9.30, maybe 10.30 if he can get you guys in a good hang in the middle of the cabin. Snower, on the other hand, is up until 3 a.m. <laughs> and uh, it just really, they balance each other out so perfectly. And to have such a big group of guys, because, I mean, still, we're talking about 30 guys in that cabin. Yeah. Plus, the, and, and it's just those two. It was... And we fucked with them so much. <laughs> I mean, we... I remember right when we got there, we so uh, we, Zach and I ended up taking this two-person room, which uh, we were the first ones to, to live in it, and yeah. Snower was in the one across from us. And Elliot's room was sort of like around the corner, like back there. It was, the, it was, in, it was a porch before us. So the year before, I think they had like games that were on it. Um, but anyway, so, so we had this room. The first thing that Zach and I did, I think, uh, besides from going uh, down to the water to... Uh, take our swim test butt naked and walk across everything, sure. um, was uh, go into Snower's room and go into Elliot's room and blast the heat. <laughs> Turn on their heaters and just blast it and close their doors. Sure. And uh, I remember Snower, the first person he pointed to was, was me. It was just like, Asher, you ever do that to me again and I'm going to kick your ass. And Elliot comes out, who did this to me? Who did this? <laughs> Freaking out, and I, it was so funny. It was so funny. I remember just pointing at, uh, I think, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Danny Cliff, and being like, he did it, Elliot! He did it! <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. It was uh, great. And you guys go to the Dells? Uh, uh, I'm yeah. sure there were some good memories from the Dells. We went to the Dells. Uh, we had a... Uh, did I go? Did I go with you guys? No, you did not. I don't no. think so. Maybe well, you know what? Maybe I did. I think you know because I think I did go the year before I moved into the cabin. I think you might have actually. Yeah, you might have. You also always had a really good relationship with all of our age right group. because you guys also. I would do the play with you guys, so I would come in at night and we'd do the Maramita play. Which we have to talk about because Absolutely. I I'm a little bitter about it. Oh, <laughs> I'm a little all bitter. Right. So we so, can get into it. So anybody who knows me, I like I'm a little bit of a showman. Certainly, um, I like to be the center of attention. I am the self-proclaimed leader of cheer for Camp Ojibwa. Sure, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, for, like, I'm, I was a guy who was always part of the, the chorus, special eight. Um, actually, I, that's another fun story to tell, but, and I'll actually go into that right now. Special eight, my parents, when they would come up, they would always be like, hey, Asher, like, just just stay away from uh, being in the chorus. Like, we've done it so many years in a row. Let's just let's go get a good meal before all the families roll in. You sure. know, like we'll, we'll get there early, get a good meal and whatever. So so like right when the show would start, we would just tippy toe right out and get out of <laughs> camp and leave. So, um, I you know in my head I'm like okay like I can't be a part of chorus anymore. I can't, I, you know so. Um, it's a special, or it's the chorus tryouts, or special eight. Mm. No, I think it's the chorus tryouts, and then you, Elliot selects the special right, eight. Right. And I go in there, and he goes, "All right, sing." Uh, was it somewhere over the rainbow? Probably. It's either and that so, or Happy Birthday. Usually. So, so I decide that I'm going to go soprano and just do it like such an asshole, you know, just like somewhere, and like like <laughs> so like I thought I was doing so bad. But I was so like into it and having so much fun doing it that Elliot looks at me and goes, you're a natural. Because <laughs> he knew I was trying to fuck it up. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm a special aid. And that was my first year as a special aid guest. Nice. And I uh, so, yeah, so I did that. And then every 
talent show. I have no talent, but somehow I would sing a, I would do a song. Put something um, together, sure. Just put something together, and uh, I just would run around stage, act on stage, do whatever, throw my body around. I mean, I had, I would like hurt myself like on stage. <laughs> and uh, one year, um, I decided that I was going to sing uh, "Sticks Come Sail Away." Okay. I don't know what happened, but the whole camp would like to this day. I see kids. That are, you know, in like in the workforce. Like I was in New York, um, and I um, am trying. We're trying to sell this this property, and this kid goes, Asher Wenig, I remember you from Campo Chibla. Oh my God, when you sang "Come Sail Away," I'm like, how is that like? Wow. Come sail away. Is <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, I was like, how does that turn into? There's so many other things. Come sail away. Um, but yeah, um, the bone to pick with you. Yes. Okay, so we did Annie. Yes, we did. And for some reason, I didn't get chosen to be, like, one of the main guys, you know? And, wait, I understand, like, we had, you know, Adam Korn, like, these guys who, like, that was sort of like their niche at camp, you know, whatever. Sure, Although sure. Adam Korn was the box-out kid and had a lot of success as being the <laughs> box-out kid in his early years at Camp Ojibwa. Um, I ended up being what Bert Bert Healy, Bert and Healy, had one right. song. Mm-hmm. I mean, a good song, a, a great song. Might one might say. Uh, Don't now. Let's think this through. Now you're not Warbuck. You're not Daddy Warbucks. But I think that you might I have, have crushed it as Daddy Warbucks. I, I could have been Annie. <laughs> Why was I not Annie? Maybe that's what I wasn't thinking about. So let's see. Corn I think was Warbucks. Uh, RZ was Rooster. So the the criminal element. Uh, lead guy but I think the thing was that you had the biggest solo of a guy because the guys didn't really have a song songs. by myself right and the guys didn't really there were a couple of songs that they sang part of hey um, hobo man hey yes. uh, you're never fully dressed without a smile yeah that's classic um, yeah because even uh, we even had a didn't Benji play the dog I think Benji played Sandy yeah, yeah absolutely Kramer, yeah <laughs> that's right yeah. yes but I just remember we would go through rehearsals and I didn't. I never really did my full performance because I just didn't think that I had to. And you were like sort of nervous. You're like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, maybe a little up or I was like, Chris, I was like, don't don't worry about it, man. I got you. I got it. Right. And the girls had no idea. Like, I didn't really know who they were. You're younger than us. They were right. girls I knew from home or anything like that. And all of a sudden the night of it. I get up there and everyone's just like, eh, sure, eh, sure. And they're like so happy. And I do the full performance and I go all out and everybody is cheering. And I go back and these girls are like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, wow, like you never did that before. And I was like, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how a star is born on the Ojibwa stage for sure. Uh, But yeah, it was, that was pretty great. And then I, I did do the uh, uh, the hand routine as well. Oh, sure, it, of course. That was always that was a fun thing to do. It was one uh, something that my brother Seth did, and I remember when he did it, and I was like, I have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Who? Let's see. Who were you guys? Was Noodleman in there too for the hand routine? Yeah. Or? I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Zach, Zach. I don't think Zach would remember the hand routine. Sure. It, it would, <laughs> 
<laughs> you have to give him a few months. There's a lot to, of steps involved. A lot of and, things to remember. And the, the audition process is brutal. I mean, it is it is quick <laughs> and brutal. You do not last long if you can't put your, your shit together. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. So your cabin 14 year, you're chief of the Braves. Uh, you're doing the Dells. You guys are running camp. You're owning the place. And again, being that big age group. <clears throat> You're the first group that's like not only running camp, but like running camp with a giant posse, too, because <laughs> 14ers are rolling deep that year. Let's put it that way. And we were a really close knit group. We really enjoyed each other's company yeah. from uh, for everybody. I mean, everybody. I mean, it, it was it was incredible. And like we we mess around with each other a lot. There's no question about it. Like like I don't want to call it bullying because there's such a bad like. Sure. But we we just fucked around with each other a lot. Yeah. And we would do things to each other that were just like, who, who does that? You know, um, <laughs> you know, like we, like a kid would be in the shower and, you know, he turned the shower off. And the next thing you know is we're pouring like milk and, and, and powder all over him. And <laughs> like the, the toilet seats had a spring on them. Oh, sure. Okay? The ejector so, seats. Yeah. Which, which I still think to this day is brilliant. Genius. Um, and, uh, so the, you know, the seat would always be up. Well, uh, Zach and I decided it'd be a good idea to take the springs off and put tartar sauce and, and mustard underneath the toilet seat. So the next person to sit down, they're going to get it all over the back of their legs. Sure. Um, like we just did like dumb things like that. Yeah. Um, and we had so much fun doing it. Like it was great. I mean, part of one of the really cool things about your age group is that along with being the new Ojibwa is there's also the Ojibwe guys before that, when it was a smaller group and it was the super intense and the and the old school guys, there was a change in that. There were guys who had personality who could also be a person at camp. You know what I mean? So you didn't have to be the best athlete and win the week every year to be liked or respected at camp. You could have personality and do that. And that was a little bit of a change. And there was enough of you guys. I mean, whether it was Corn and RZ, you and Noodleman. I mean, there were guys in your cabin that weren't just, you know, jocks or whatever. You were also funny. Yeah. And so that kind of and that kind of let camp be funny and let camp have personality. And so I think that was a big piece of what of why that age group is also so influential. But there's something that I want to touch on really fast. This this idea that the camp I'm sure camp had great camp had great athletes. There's no question about it. But like we're these are a bunch of Jews, okay? I mean, we're a bunch of, of, of yids running around on a field. When the like, even, no matter how far you go back, people might talk about, oh, our age group was so great. Like our age group, the the class of O two, we were not that great of athletes. Sure. And I'm not, and and I'm not going to try to sugarcoat. Yeah. But there's no question that once we were out of cabin fourteen and we were counselors, we were like, oh. Our age group was so much better than that, and, <laughs> and it's like we build up this this like thinking that like oh we're better than this next generation. Right. The, the the camp was so small. The camp was so much smaller, and yes, you had these guys who were really good athletes who who you know hit the road. You know, softballs hit the you know like they were able Every, to hit they it bunted out there it to the road. And things sure. like yeah. yeah. And I, I think that they're you know what like I I really think that. We could have had that if we like John Fixler, who was my age group, was a f- incredible athlete. I mean, Treg Dorson, I mean, was an incredible athlete. If those guys would have stayed through, I mean, they would have hit the road. I mean, uh, uh, we, Jason Kipnis is a year younger than me. Right. I mean, he was an incredible softball player who could do that. I, I think that yes, you had those those few players that were really outstanding, but 
I don't think, and, and due to these camps that were primarily focused on single sports, yep. those mm-hmm. guys sort of got you know weeded out. But I don't think the camp was a, a group of good athletes as good as everybody makes it out to be. And I, I hate to, to be that person who says that, but I just don't believe it. I think that... It's very reasonable. Yes, you, had, you might have had a kid who scored uh, 100 points in a basketball game, and that's why they had to put in this... But understand, the camp was so small, they were probably paying with you know three other Schwartz's, Goldberg's, and you know Goldstein's, <laughs> and, and you know those guys were bound to be sitting behind a... Uh, you know, a calculator doing taxes. Like it's, <laughs> it's, you got to understand, like, like there's this belief and I just, I think I, I'm going to stick with it and, and say, Hey, like I was not a great athlete. Okay. I was a first rounder, but that has a lot to do with OJ politics. And I'm sure you sure. talk to Shovers about that. Cause he is the, uh, Ojibwa poli sci major, right? Is <laughs> That's that, correct. That um, correct. but, um, you know, I, I went first round and yeah, like, I would place and swim. I probably, I think I came in second in swim. I won it a few years and I do well. Like I always won the long jump and placed in, in track and field. And then I do well in, in uh, song and stunt, which sure. was separate. And they added them together, which I actually think was a good idea. Um, but on the field, like I was a mediocre guy. Like I, I didn't, I, I was just like, you know, in, in hockey, I, I, I hit people a lot and people hated me for it, you know, in, in football, sure. I didn't drop a ball because like it, all I had to do was catch. But if you wanted me to be a quarterback and that's usually what your first rounder is, yeah, absolutely. it's like, no, I'm good. Azure, <laughs> Azure's not your quarterback. Like I, I'm pointing, showing Chris my hand right now. This thing is way too small. Okay. Like I wear a small glove. Okay. Um, now this conversation reminds me of something I wanted to ask you about. Uh, one of the years you were at camp, a young man who was a former camper decided to come to camp and make a little movie. He decided to shoot some footage and uh, capture the essence, what he hoped was capturing the essence of Collegiate Week primarily. Yeah. Uh, and as I recall, there's a very early shot in the film where you're at home and a, a similar... I was, not, I was at... I was at uh, oh, you're at college. Yeah. I was at college. They came and stayed with me. And, and a somewhat similar rant starts to begin and magically appears the uh, book of Jewish athletes, I think, the... Yes. The, the book of managers, right? Yeah. Is that the... <laughs> the book of managers, yes. yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, To Win or Lose, a summer camp story, your, your experience with that uh, process. Yeah, so, so it, it was funny. Um, they came to camp to, to, do, to, to put together a documentary for, for grad school. I believe they're at NYU Film mm-hmm. School doing, um, getting, uh, doing their master's project, and they wanted to find a, a few guys to follow um, that summer, 2005, right. um, to follow during Collegiate Week, um, and they chose, uh, you know, a bunch of guys. But everybody kept on saying, "Oh, you should choose Asher Wenig. Like Asher will be great for it. Like you, he, he's a he's someone who it's I think known you know, has been here for a while." Yeah. They decided not to 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 select me, and I think that when Louis said to me, uh, when, when, you know, he said, can I interview you? Uh, he came and I asked him, I said, why didn't you choose to interview me? He goes, he goes, we thought that it was going to be impossible to sit down with you and talk with you. 
And I was like, what, what do you think I have ADD? I don't have ADD. I have ADHD. Okay. I, I'm very <laughs> hyper, but that I could still sit down and talk to a person. Um, no, but, uh, they, they thought that it would just be very hard to have like a conversation with me gotcha. separate from the whole thing. And I totally understand it. I mean, if you know me at camp, I was always all over the place. I still am. That's why I'm ranting right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, when the movie was over, they had some, a few clips of me and they're like, you know what? We could probably blow these up. And, uh, they decided to come to Indiana university in Bloomington That's and, uh, and interview me. And they were like, um, really, they were like, uh, Hey, we're going to come down to, to Bloomington. We'll be there, you know, just for the day and whatever. I was like, no guys, you guys stay with me. You're more than welcome to, I got a room, you know, not a problem at all. So, they came down, uh, they interviewed me and a, a few of my friends um, who, who didn't go to Ojibwa, who were, one went to, Ma- <laughs> one went to Menominee, another one, you know, went to, you know, some hippie camp. Um, sure. Actually, two of them went to Menominee, another one. And anyway, so they interviewed me um, and they were like, this is, this is great. Um, you did a great job. And uh, they came out with us and partied with us, had a great time, stayed in my room. And then I'm living in New York, and they found out I was in New York, and they're like, would you come and interview with us again? So I did another like wow. two or three interviews with them for the movie, and then I went to the showing that they did in New York, and they asked me to come up for a Q&A. So I did a Q&A after the movie was shown. <laughs> so I wasn't a big part of the movie, but somehow uh, I became a part of the movie and sure. uh, did some Q&A stuff for them and uh, always invited them to, to stay with me and had a good time <laughs> with them. And it, it was it was fun. It was really fun. And the movie turned out all right. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it's uh, I think it's not what he thought it was going to be when he it, started. I don't think it was a really good picture of Camp Ojibwa. Yeah. I think that the way that they shot it just made Camp Ojibwa seem much different than it really is. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I think it's just, you know, I think <clears throat> for, you know, and listen, I didn't make the movie and obviously it's oh, hard, hard mean, to make a movie and whatever, of but, course. but I think that what he wanted to do was try to capture just collegiate week and thought he could do that just during collegiate week. And the problem is that you need so much more scope to really put that into focus to, to understand how crazy that is. You need to see camp regularly yeah. and you need to see sort of the build up and the coaches starting and all that process. And I think that stuff kind of got left out. So you were left with this really sort of hyper kinetic footage but not anything to put it against to make it make sense. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, I mean, he is a is a, is a wonderful artist and, and put together a really good film. Um, but but it's it's it, it's not a, a Camp Ojibwa documentary, or right. it, it doesn't really show you anything of Camp Ojibwa. It really just shows the intensity of 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 young, you know, uh, early pubescent boys absolutely um and that's about it, <laughs> that's uh, it. but uh he he listen it was a, it was a fantastic job and 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 you know i really respect him as a as an uh, as a film director yeah but, uh, and if you are connected to camp in any way you should definitely watch it it's available on youtube uh to win or lose a summer camp story i believe is the full title put that into your youtube search you can find it watch the whole thing see asher yell at some kids <laughs> Sure. Is that in the movie, or is that is that that's an outtake? Not in the movie. That's so, an outtake. So right? yeah, that's an outtake that Denny said. If you put that in the movie, like <laughs> Denny threatened him, you cannot put that in the movie. Yeah. Speaking of collegiate week, let's talk about that. So you were in a few of them. Uh, do you win the week at all? What's your What's your situation with the week? Are we sure we don't want to talk about my staff years? I got three years of staff years. <laughs> I've never won collegiate week. Okay. Um, I let's see, fifth, fifth. Fifth, sixth, seventh, last 
third, fifth, no, yeah, whatever it is, 10 sure. years, and the closest I ever came to winning is third place. Now, at that time, did third get a trophy? Uh, third got a trophy. Well, hey, look at that. You got a trophy. <laughs> the tro- I don't think the trophy did not make it home. I was like, there's no way me. it got home. It's yeah, clearly it, at know, the bottom of Catfish Lake. Yeah. It, it's not in Catfish Lake. It's, it, it was so funny. That that year, uh, 99, um, we had an outstanding team. We had, it was Michigan. We had uh, uh, David Kay as our first-round pick. Uh, Alex Genzer was our coach and put together a fantastic team. Like, Genzer, how, before the... Before the week even started, Genzer like pointed at me. Or, you know, he's like, "Asher, I want you on my collegiate week team." He's like, I-, "I think that you'll be great. Like, I'm taking you in the fifth round." I was like, "Cool." Like, I was like, fifth round, fine." I was like, "Is that where I'm gonna go?" <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, next thing you know, five two. I, I, you know, I didn't. I figured that out, but he ended up taking me, and our team was was phenomenal. We were really, really good, and I think it was. One thing that obviously, if you know Alex Genzer, he's not going to put together a good stunt. Uh, our stunt was was shit, um, at best. Yeah. And uh, and then we really screwed up on the obstacle, and I think we just we choked. Air Force won that year. Yeah, Tim I believe Shelvers, please correct. That, I believe that's uh, Jimmy Marco with J.D. Williams in his debut year as that a is uh, assistant coach. Yeah. So Air Force, we lost to Air Force in soccer shootout. Brutal. Um. I went into a quadruple overtime against Treg Dorson, um, and I ended up losing my match. Wow. And I think that I lost only two things that summer. I lost that, and I lost, um, when it comes to uh, uh, special events, I lost that, um, which was a soccer shootout, and I lost um, ping pong to, like, some kid who, like, I'm not joking, was like holding it like he was a you know a master table tennis. He called it table tennis. <laughs> All right, he called it table tennis. <laughs> You're like, I'm good. Okay, yeah. you can, you win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I created the um, uh, what, what was it? What did we call it? Uh, team officials. Do you oh, remember that? Sure. Yes. And I was the JC, and uh, Jimmy Marco, who came up for that summer, was right. the SC, and we would have cheers for the officials. Um, we asked Elliot if we could put together a stunt, and he said no. Um, we and I was able to somehow get everybody to clap their hands whenever I wanted them to. Oh, sure. I would yell and out. Believe me, that that remains. That clap, that established clap, remains. I don't know how remains. I started it. All of a sudden, one day, I was just like, "Everybody, clap your hands!" And people liked it. Um, I did a lot of cheers and things like that, and people would be like, "Asher, do it, do it!" And, I was like, all right, fine. And the other thing that uh, I did a lot of, um, which was not started by me, it was started by Brian Merrill, um, who just had a, a child whose middle name is Ojibwa. Incredible move. Incredible move yeah. that you just named your child Ojibwa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Brian Merrill would just all of a sudden yell out, E-L-L-I-O-T, you know, in the, in the mess. And at the end of it, he would just go, Elliot. And everyone would just like try to mimic it. They Absolutely. Do it, you know? And so I brought that back, and everybody loved it. And well, um, everyone except for one person, Elliot Friedman. <laughs> and <laughs> everyone I, else. I start. I would do. I guess I. I would just do cheer. So I uh, self-proclaimed myself. Uh, Campo Jubo had a cheer. Perfect. Self-proclaimed. I'm not. Sure. I'm not saying that anybody gave it to me. Okay. <laughs> Listen, that's fine. Whatever it is, a lot of the titles at Campo Jibo are self-proclaimed. Let's be honest. True. 
Uh, yes, the so the clap your hands definitely has continued on, um, and the ELL certainly came back to prominence in a big way from that point on, and lives today, much to the chagrin of Elliot Friedman. Yeah, uh, he does not like cheers about himself. That yeah. or the Elliot Elliot uh, 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 Elliot cheer. Yeah. Uh, he threatened to fire me once because I started one in his presence. Or how about when people would go, Elliot has one ball. <laughs> Elliot has one ball. Or, or Elliot has one. Find or, or well, I guess that was Snower, Find or has none, whichever one. Absolutely. Yeah. I even got it once in a while later on. Absolutely. Okay, that's it. You heard it there. It didn't just end abruptly. No, that's not true. We're coming back on Thursday for a part two. Asher and I could not keep this episode contained within the bounds of one measly hour, my friends. So tune back in later this week for another another episode of Asher and I wrapping all this up. And it's, uh, it's worth the listen. I'll tell you that. It's a fun time. If you haven't, of course, mark your calendar. May 6, 2017. The Camp Ojibwa 90th Summer Celebration. Find out all about it over at oj90.com. oj90.com. Of course, swing by the website, campojibwahistory.org, if you want to see what's happening there. New stuff all the time. Just uh, just did a little work scanning in some of the camp, all camp photos. So lots of fun stuff coming down the pike over there. And of course, check out the plaques if you still haven't done that. And as always, if you want to get in touch with me, drop me an email, Christopher at campojibwahistory.org. All right, I think that's just about it. It's rained a little today, so it's not as cold as it's been, so I might just be able to get outside and have a cigar. Mm-hmm.